WIFA Waves is brought to you by, actually, this is an opportunity. Right now, WIFA Waves is offering commercial spots to your organization. Contact us at askwifa at womeninfitness.org and let's share your platform with our audience. I am Lindsay Rainwater, founder and CEO of the Women in Fitness Association. And I'm Morgan Hills Adetoye, director of all things WIFA. And this is WIFA Waves, the sound waves of your career. A podcast devoted to supporting the who, what, and how of your career trajectory. We got you. Let's ride these waves together. Yeah, let's do it. Well, on this edition of WIFA Waves, we're going to chat all things motherhood because it is incredibly important as career women in the fitness industry to talk about what it's really like when it comes to being a mom, having a career that you feel is very on purpose, purpose driven, passion ignited, and there's this thing called childcare, if you're a mama, that impacts our ability to be effective in our role. And so here with us today is myself, Morgan, Jennifer. We thought we would do an HQ WIFA fireside chat to talk about this ongoing conversation that's really important to WIFA in general for our entire community. And for those of us that work directly for WIFA, we pilot this um, new way of coming at the childcare dilemma every single day and are constantly committed as a team to figure it out. I mean, literally right before we hit record, we were all embodying our own iteration of this. Me managing toddlers, Jennifer managing teenagers, Morgan over there managing pregnancy. It's all happening. So ladies, let's talk about being a mama, having a career, and how motherhood is impacting us today today as in right now literally <laughs> at this right very now. moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I think let's start by just talking about telling our audience a little bit about ourselves and where we're at with our motherhood journey I just gave like a very brief intro but Jen you want to say a little more about what motherhood looks like for you yeah sure um I I have a 14 year old daughter and a 17-year-old stepson. And I, I I really think that the role of mother took me a good 10 years to really adopt. Mm. Like I, I had this um, bit of I, an identity war within myself, like the, the me Jennifer, the mom Jennifer, the, you know, all of the roles, but the, the motherhood title was the hardest for me. And I think that that was because I I really loved, I loved my job and, and I loved being a mom and I, I've, I've always loved my kids, but I, there was always this kind of a, a guilt or a tension in between. If I like this, can I have that? If that makes sense, because it's, it's such a, 
yeah, it's such a ubiquitous role. That's a Scrabble word, by the way. Um, <laughs> motherhood that, um, that there's never a beginning or an end. So when you can't be there all the time, or this is what I was telling myself, when I can't be there, always available all the time, then I can't be a good mom. So that, that, that took me a while to, to get okay with in my head. And it was only when, um, Kate started really being able to communicate how she felt about things and me really understanding her, uh, her identity was, was also kind of being developed around the idea that she wanted to be a career woman and have her own business. And that that was something that she, um, aspired and admired that I started thinking, Hey, me being a working mom, maybe wasn't such a bad thing. <laughs> mm. So, mm. so real, so mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. Thank you, mm. Morgan. What about you? Well, I'm just beginning my journey as a mother. I'm three weeks away from my due date, so in that any day could be the day that I become a mom, which is exciting and nerve wracking, and all of. All of the emotions, that's for sure, have just been keeping me up at night. But, um, you know, previous to being with WIFA, I was a nanny and a teacher for a long time since I got out of college. And so I have an interesting perspective um, because I've supported a lot of working mothers. Mm -hmm. And I've been that... Um, extra, I mean, people have called me the extra parent so many times of like, I was the third. Um, and Lindsay talks about this a lot too, of like the third way of having, you have to have another adult. And I was that other adult that helped care for children while parents were working and making a living and, and providing a space for their own children. And I always took that role really seriously and it's informed me for sure into when I'm sure it will inform me. I don't know, obviously what it's like to be a mother yet, but um, I'm really happy that I do have that um, insight Mm -hmm. as to see like, it's not easy. It's not perfect. Um, There are times that I, you know, talking about childcare, like there's not a day that I didn't want to be there, but I couldn't be there physically sometimes. (laughs) And, you know, letting down families because of that was always one of the hardest things for me. I've, Mm -hmm. and, um, but at the same time, having to prioritize myself in my health and wellness as well. And getting out of nannying was probably one of the hardest decisions that I've ever made because I really love all the children that I I still have really deep connections with most children that I've supported their families with. And, but it was time for me to kind of discover something else about myself. So mamas have always been really important to me. Um, And so working with WIFA, I always knew I wanted to empower women as well as, you know, I have a special place in my heart for children, of course, but um, having it all kind of come together and 
helping support Lindsay and her journey, which I'll let her tell you more about, but, you know, being able to not only help Lindsay with her, with her first son, but then also help her in being a working mother and supporting her um, as a peer in business has also been such a great experience to see how it can be done. As both of you were talking, I was having such a a deep appreciation for what we get to try out at WIFA because our our work culture is super committed to working moms and just the, like being willing to challenge every paradigm out there is kind of the way I see it because to say a little bit about me. So I've been a mom now, Oliver will be four this summer and Sebastian will be two in May. And so I've got two little boys and they're both at that age where they still adore me and need me. And um, especially the youngest changing diapers and all that is still really real for me. And so there's a really real need for me to have, um, and my husband has a career that he loves and he works out of our house every day. And so I've always challenged myself to try to find a childcare solution that can act fluidly with our family as that third person. And then to always challenge if there's a new way to do it, because what I've seen around me is your kids go to a childcare facility or you get a childcare provider and there's a complete separation between the kids and the adults for an extended period of the day, up to eight or nine hours. And then everybody comes back together for a meal and then call it a day. And I personally call bullshit on that. I don't like that. My preference is to have lunch with my kids. My preference is to be able to integrate them throughout my day. Um, you know, there's, I'm totally cool with my oldest son because he's the one that typically does like running in and interrupting a call as long as it's not crazy to say hi, because they're, that's my life. And so integrating that with my work is a natural extension of who I am. And if I'm trying to hide that, then that's not being totally authentic. And there's plenty of business environments or conversations where you've got to stay focused and you've got to be available. But I think the, the rub for me is when people are expected to really pretend a whole part of their life doesn't exist, which newsflash, the part of their life is their work and their life is their family. And so it should be a flip. So instead of having our infrastructure designed around our work, we should have our our family life and our work revolving around that. And so Jen, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's, I think it's really interesting because I think uh, we, we started asking kind of quietly before this whole pandemic um, like, why do we do things the way that we do, right? Like, if you look at the the eight hour work day, like, why are we working Monday through Friday, eight hour, eight hour days? Why? Why? Why is that necessary in this day and age when it's, it's like, you kind of have to be omnipresent. So does it make sense for companies to have business hours like that. Mm-hmm. And then and then from a from a childcare standpoint and a schooling standpoint, like why are the school hours the way that they are? Like is that actually designed for the mm-hmm. for the child? Mm-hmm. Like where did that come from? And and 
I think I remember like my mom told me at some point it like someone will have to fact check me, but the, the reason that the, that the brakes uh, were designed in the summer, the way that they were, were so like uh, almost a hundred years ago so that kids could work on the land during the harvest time. So that, that's why we have a summer break and, you know, I'm, I'm based in Europe. So the, the schools are more year round. We only have uh, six weeks in the summer off. And then there's, there's two weeks in the fall, two weeks in the winter and two weeks in the spring. Um, and, and that's a little bit different, but, but, but again, why, like, wh- why? why? And, and like, we're, we're so tethered to these, to these systems that at the end of the day, I don't think they really serve anybody. Um, and we're trying to force ourselves like a, a, a square peg and a round hole or, or vice versa, where it, it, if we zoomed out and, and looked at like fun, fundamentally, like what, what our kids need to learn and what our kids need from us in this day and age, our current systems aren't serving them. And they're not serving us as well. So there needs to be a radical kind of reshift. And I think that's the, that's the beautiful thing from the pandemic, because all of a sudden it's really clear school doesn't have to be at school. Like, don't get me wrong, like six hours of video conference calls for, for the kids, not great. But if, if you, if you rethink curriculum and the ways to teach curriculum. And I'm looking at Morgan because uh, she's a Montessori mind and Montessori is definitely not traditional curriculum. And there's a thousand ways to, to teach and approach different things. But if we could start cracking open some of the, some of the paradigms, then I think the answers are really there. And we're, we're struggling because the systems suck and they don't serve us anymore. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think the pandemic definitely showed flaws in our systems all over the world, right? Um, And that's such a larger conversation, of course, of systems being built uh, to against us and and really against uh, the minority of people and people of color and things of that sort, like us having this conversation is a privileged conversation and there's just so much, so many people. I mean, a majority of people in this world who are struggling because they can't keep up with inflation and how much it costs to live and all of the things. And then pile on top of that, um, taking care of their children in a really meaningful way so that their children can be successful as well. And I, I do hope with the pandemic showing all these flaws in our systems that real change does come from it. And, and I think it will. Um, but, you know, we are seeing just in the U.S., you know, over 2.5 million women have left the workforce since last February this time of year due to the pandemic. And I read an interesting article today that said that it was like 69% of women that were surveyed also said that it has put a real strain on their health as well. And our women, especially going to the doctor has skyrocketed this year um, because of the stress of the pandemic and, and their lives at home and 
trying to keep it all together. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we were we were ever supposed to exist like this. Mm. The mental health component, and that's what you're talking about, Jen, is like we weren't designed to exist on video. We were we were designed as human beings to hug. We like literally on a neurological level, we need to touch other people to feel okay about life. And that's, you know, beyond the people that live under our roof. And so just this whole setup has been so painstaking for really everyone. But I think women have taken a huge hit because of the capacity that we are in our our family dynamics not even talking about, you know, single mothers or families that are completely dependent on one person to run the household. But when I look at that statistic, Morgan, and how many women have just literally looked at the stats and said, okay, the easiest thing to do is for me to stop working and I will be the homeschooler, the house cleaner, the you stack, I've done the exercise, you stack up all the costs and you look at who can do what so that you can be available for the kids and available for the meal prep and available because, you know, if you don't have someone in your home supporting, like being a mother's helper and then supporting your kids, it's really hard to pull that all off. And the pandemic has, that is my favorite part of the last year is that everyone is in that boat. Now it's no, I've been in that boat for the last four years and now there's empathy on a really on a really palatable level. Jen, what do you? I, I like the raising my hand, but then I don't have to leave it up. I can just do it like really, really gently yeah, so that I remember it. I had a point. No, what I, what I was, uh, what I was, what I'm reminded of when you're talking about like this collective stress in the household is, is also a conversation that we've, we've had about kind of a, uh, creating systems for your house, the way that your house and your family, the way you do at work, right? Like if, if I think of what was happening to me at work during the, the first lockdown, uh, for, for Europe, that was in March of last year. Um, there was, there was a crisis team at work. The communication increased like a thousand percent. There were, there was meetings at the like bookend meetings beginning in the end of the day. Like everybody had, um, clear marching orders for what we had to do for the day, but our our households, our families also need that accelerated communication. And I feel like this is, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I, I feel like I'm sounding preachy here and I'm not perfect about it, but it, it is something that, that, uh, my husband and I try to put in place at two moments every week so that we we check in and talk about the household, talk about the situation, who's doing what. Um, and that's helped so much. And we, we still need like the, the same structure that that keeps the systems going at work and that and that defines the clear roles and responsibilities of all parties, that still needs to happen in households. And I feel like this is why a lot of women ended up in the situation that they ended up with because, um, you know, but by, by nature, we're, we're the caregivers and we tend to continue to take things on. And at some point there is a breaking point and you see that Lindsay. So subtle. (laughs) I'm obsessed now. Um, Okay. 
my brain went in so many places as you were describing that because I would love to shift into the land of solutions because I think I was having a conversation with my girl, my girlfriends the other day, and she had hit a wall with her dynamic. She's, uh, she's an entrepreneur. She started her own company. She's uh, got a corporate mind, corporate background, has lived through many iterations of what it looks like to have both parties working and childcare involved in all the things. The thing that she resists the most is the strategic scheduling aspect makes it feel like icky for her at home. Cause it's like, but this is my home and everything runs on love as the jet fuel. Right. And here's the deal. That's not real. Like it's the love is real. Of course it is, but love is also passionate and disruptive and does yeah. not provide set schedules. And so you have to, at a certain point go love you. And we need to talk logistics on who's unloading the dishwasher. Cause mom has a call like that's real life. Right. And so I think to switch gears in the logistics art into solution, it's like ladies, gentlemen, audience, you've got to look at your home like a business and you've got to have a structure. You've got to have a to-do list. You've got to have a shared calendar. And you may be saying, yeah, 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 I've got that stuff. But it's like, then you've got to have working blocks. Then you have to have agreements on who owns certain things. And then you got to stay out of each other's way when they don't do it the way you like to. And all of these super nitty gritty details that feel so unsexy and so not how the relationship with your partner might've started with like, Hey babe, at the bar. Now it's like, Hey, who's on trash duty this week. So let's talk solutions. I'm going to throw out a couple of solutions in the little chat. So I know one of the things that we pilot at WIFA HQ, because it's what has worked for me and allowed me to ebbs and flow my relationship with childcare is this idea around working blocks. And Jen, you mentioned it, but it's letting go of the seven days, eight to five, nine to five. It's letting go of the old context of working hours and figuring out what works for your family. So if you have tiny children that are their best in the mornings, like mine are between six and nine, can you create an environment where you can start your work day later in the morning, have childcare come in later and then work later? Or can you, I've gone in seasons where I've done three days a week. My working blocks are early, early morning before my kids even wake up and then late, late, late at night. And then I've got a couple of days where I can have meetings with the people that do claim the nine to five so that I can stay relevant. And then Saturday morning coffee shop for four hours and then Sunday night, couple hours to plan the week and it rounds things out. But I think the, the ability to do that is you have to be willing to flip the whole script on its head, put everything in a jar, mix it all up and go, okay, let's create a whole family calendar that works best and then plot the hours of work around that. So that's one of my tips. I think with that, I want to also talk about how do we arm women with tools to have a conversation like that when you're in an environment because newsflash you don't need to start your own company to pilot something like that we're blessed that we're here piloting WIFA's way um but you don't have to start your own company to get to do stuff like that you just have to have an empowered conversation with HR so those are some tips that I've got ladies what else are you thinking on the topic for solutions I think it's just such a good point to mention again and to echo what you just said is that's uh, that's one of the biggest issues that I have when I talk to women is like, 
Well, the only way for me to get my schedule the way I want it to be is to work for myself. And, you know, yes, I hear you in that because it does feel like that's the easiest way to do it. But our whole world can't have just everyone be entrepreneurs. (laughs) Like we need people to work for each other to keep everything going. So um, to, you know, offer that up, Lindsay, is such is something that I don't think a lot of women have thought about. Of What if I did go to HR and say like, hey, can I start my day at 10? But you know, I'm going to be available later in the evening or whatever that looks like. Yeah. And what's if the, they're not going to, I mean, if you decide as a family, this is a non-negotiable, and if they say no, then I will need to find another job, then that's totally on your own conversation. But also, like, what's the worst HR is going to say? Like, no, not at this time. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, what's my plan B? But being able to just even knowing that like, oh, wow, I, I could have a conversation with HR about what does that look like? Mm-hmm. I, love the, I love the raised hand. I know. I'm really into it. I, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of addicted to it. No, like, I think, um, I, I think there's a couple steps before, before HR, mm-hmm. like there, there has to be the, okay. Step back from a working block standpoint, when you zoom out on your, on your schedule and your life and you, and you kind of start blocking in the, the things that are are fundamentally important for you and your purpose and your family and the things that are most important, like those things go in first. And then once, once you start building out around that, you build the working blocks or the activity blocks that will, will fall into the schedule. And then you have to figure out what, what can you do in that time that you're, that you're best suited to do in that time. Mm-hmm. For example, if I have to write something, I need to write it in the morning. Mm-hmm. If you ask me to write something at 8 PM at night, it's going to sound like an eight-year-old wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, I it just, I just get really sloppy and impatient at that time of day. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, knowing yourself well enough and kind of observing yourself well enough to know what you do best at which time of day, and then organizing your priorities in accordance to that. And so then taking this, uh, this point about uh, how to adjust your schedule with work, um, you have to get really specific. Like you're, you're doing a pitch to your, to your business about this and and you have to zoom out. It's like, okay, what is my role? What am I responsible for delivering? And is that really contingent on me being available between 9am and 5pm? Does that really, really matter? And if that doesn't matter so much, and you can show people that you have planning to, to get the things, planning and communication systems to get things done outside of those hours, then, then really the world is your oyster. I think, I mean, like with, with the collaborative software and the planning stuff that's out there and, and the accessibility of people, like you can get so much done regardless of, of time. And if you need to be sitting on the phone with five people to get something done, then maybe you need to question the system because that sounds pretty inefficient to me. So, um, so I think, I think 
Like there's a lot of examples. Even Paula had the example last time when, when we were talking on the, on the meetup at clubhouse where she just went in after her, after her first baby and said, I'm working four days and I'm going to get the same results. So I don't want a pay cut. And they said, yes. So as long as you have your, your story together and, and uh, the systems behind you to back you up, then, then you should be able to ask for anything you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Morgan. Morgan. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so much yes to everything you just said, Jennifer. I was like shaking my head like crazy, but, um, I, yeah, I read something the other day that said, you know, put these things on your calendar, like, especially right now when a majority of people are at home and their kids are doing school, like put on the calendar, like this is the block that I like from one to 2 PM. I help my kids with their homework because that's like when we need to do it. And from, you know, at any time I'm nursing my baby, it's on my calendar that this is the time that I nurse doesn't mean I'm not available while nursing, but just so you know, I can't take a, maybe take a call on Zoom, a video call at that time. Like this, uh, I think it was actually New York Times that mentioned that, like put these things on your calendar at work and normalize it for everyone. And men too, 100% of, hey, this is when I take my kids to school. This is when, or this is when I help them on their um, video, like whatever it might be to really normalize that. And that's something that we do at WIFA a lot is, you know, put on our calendars what is happening in our lives so that it's very clear, like this is when I'm available and this is when I have my blocks and it doesn't mean I'm not not available, but like, at least, you know, and I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think too, it's easier to be boundaried when you've done that work for yourself, right? Like when you know that this is what's, this is what's important to me. That's got to happen in this day. Like when, when, when you haven't done that mapping for yourself and I just like, I, I, have a a practice of every Sunday setting out these blocks for myself for at least the coming weeks or a few weeks at a time, depending on how busy things are. But there are Sundays that that don't, that does not happen. And on those Sundays or on those following weekdays, I'm just like, I'm, I'm a surfing mess. I'm like, yeah, I know I've got to get stuff done. So I'll just kind of jam everything in wherever it goes. And it just feels really yucky. And I I end the week with a feeling of burnout, not like I triumphantly kicked this week's ass. Okay. I want to take a stab at synthesizing a couple of these things, because I would imagine knowing our listener, we're probably getting a lot of head nods, a lot of high five, air high fives, a lot of like, please tell me how to have this conversation. So I want to synthesize what we're saying here, because I think it starts with have the epiphany, if you haven't already, that everything is up for discussion. The whole world functions on people that made something up to make a business, to make a thing, to make a system, and that all of these norms we function under at some point just got made the F up. So make up your dreamt reality and sit down with a whiteboard or a big piece of paper or a couple of napkins over a drink with your significant other 
and start with the big buckets of what matters to your family. Figure out, you know, where your priorities are, what your parenting strategies are, what the grocery strategies are, who owns what. I know like at my house, my husband is our, um, he is our project manager. Like he is so freaking good at um, the big picture coordination and the big picture stuff. And I am really good at menu planning and the keeping things going from Sunday to Sunday. And so I handle like planning out our menu and doing the grocery shopping and coordinating with our nanny. And then he's got the big projects that hover around that. And so we work together and check in and have checkpoints and all this stuff. But then you got to start with a plan. You got to start with what matters, get with that primary person and create just like you would if you work for somebody or you work for yourself, like create that plan, create that, the big project plan. And then from there, get with either a peer mentor or somebody that you can have a conversation with. Heck, email, you know, WIFA and we will help you, you know, let's do a working block workshop. Oh, Jen, I would love that. I was just thinking as we were talking, I've seen a couple of good YouTube videos of, you know, peer mentors I have that have put some really good stuff out there, but y'all, I will never forget my first Franklin Covey workshop. God, do I even say it happened 16 years ago? Oh no, it's been 17 now. Oh, I just turned another year older. So it's been a minute, but it still works. And when I put down my key priorities and then I map it out in a day and there's such fun ways to do this with color blocking and calendars and shared calendars and, you know, bless all the cool systems and tools we have digitally now to get this done, that it's not all on paper, but you start there and then you have the big sweaty conversation with the important people in your life and say, this is what I want to do. I want to flip my schedule on its head in favor of these people I love that I've brought into the world and that I've chosen. And here's what I want to do. And here's our priorities at work. And I can guarantee you, if you let me focus on the stuff I love, I'm going to knock that goal out of the park because that's what happens. And that's what I think employers are scared of is they're scared if they give people the bandwidth to take care of their shit that they're going to suck at work. Guess what? It's the opposite. They're going to crush their goals because you're giving them the bandwidth to go to target it too without question. So it's just, it's, it's flipping it on its head. It's scarcity versus abundance. You live in the mindset of abundance and you generate the bandwidth to get the shit done. Gay Hendricks talks about, you will never have time to do all the things you don't want to do, but you will always have time to do the things that you're meant to be doing. So do that. Start there. Look at your family, prioritize your working blocks, and then you get to liberate the whole childcare thing. You have somebody come in from eight to 12, because that's when you're big stuff happens. And then you're with your kids the rest of the day, maybe until your spouse gets home or whatever that looks like for you. I'm in a time period in my life where I've like increased the amount of childcare I have. Cause I've got a heavy amount of work that I'm doing during the day, but I'm having that childcare provider come in later because my kids wake up at like five and I hang out with them for four hours before I start working, which is a long time to hang out with toddlers. It's like a whole world happens before I even get online for the day. So I think to kind of round up the conversation for the day, like have the big conversations. Don't be afraid to have a plan. It's not going to make your life any less sexy or lovey-dovey with your spouse. It's going to make it better because you're going to have agreements in place. And that if we can create environments inside our home and then challenge our work environments to be different, 
those are the micro changes that create macro changes in the long run because it's one household at a time choosing to make things different that ripple out and make a change that impact the world. There, I've said it. Anybody else? <laughs> okay. Here, here. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, just, just, to, just to loop back to the, the motherhood thing specifically when it comes to this, like some of the most... Uh, some of the best experiences I had with childcare was when I was able to buddy up with another mom and do shared childcare, because not only was I having a great childcare that, that we could both pay into making it more affordable for us and also allow, allowing the childcare provider to make a little bit more, but my kids and their kids would be having one big play date the whole time. So it didn't feel like a babysitter was there. So like, I think it's just like really, it's designing your life because it's your life and not becoming victim to systems that somebody else came up with. And I think the scary thing is when, when you start thinking differently is that it becomes really overwhelming. Mm. And the way to solve that with, with, with whatever overwhelms you is to make it smaller. Just fix one thing, the biggest pain point or the easiest thing to fix and then build from there. So good. Yes. Thank you guys. As a, as a new mom, it, I have taken so many things from these conversations that we've been having the last couple of weeks between um, the webinar that Lindsay did with Shay and Lori and the clubhouse. It's um, really interesting to hear everyone's, you know, input. So for new moms out there, I encourage you to listen to this and hear uh, what these ladies are saying, because they've been in it. (laughs) So um, all great tips. Thank you. Well, thank you for indulging us on this episode of Weep Waves. We are so far, loving the fireside chat concept. More of this coming your way, audience, and we will catch you on the next episode.